0: In this talk called "Reinvest," and uh, we're we're excited to to really dive in today and look at look at three thoughts. But I, I want to focus in on a few words right in the middle of this Philippian passage that we've been reading every week, uh, verse three in Philippians one. It says, "Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy, for you have been my partners." In spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. And I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Um man, how do you partner with the gospel? Isn't that an interesting phrase? You've been my partner in spreading this good news since the beginning. And I just look, man, how can I partner better with sharing the gospel? And, and if, if I can't think of a specific way in which I'm partnering and sharing the gospel right now, if you just like literally think, how am I partnering and in sh- in sharing the gospel? If, if I'm not there yet, maybe I haven't even started a relationship with Jesus yet, and that is awesome, welcome, this is a great place to figure out about Jesus. And we're looking at the reality, though, of why? Man, if I'm not partnering and sharing the gospel, Why? And what can I do? How can I break out of, maybe you could call it the inspiration trap. What's the inspiration trap? I would say the inspiration trap is when you're inspired on Sunday. And you hear the the good news of the gospel. You hear about Jesus. You're like, I'm inspired to do something about this. But then Monday comes. And you're back in routine. And you're back living life maybe beyond your margin You're overwhelmed, and nothing changes until next Sunday. And then you're inspired again, right? You can get in this inspiration trap. How can you turn your passion on Sunday into your partnership on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? We have an opportunity to discover that today. Partnering in the spreading of the gospel can look like so many things. But what is impossible is is partnering and sharing the gospel without intentionally leaving space for God to use your gifts. We have to become extremely intentional and allow God space to use our gifts. Today's talk's called Reinvest. And there's a great passage in Leviticus that talks about how we can reinvest our resources. And it's our springboard verse, if you will, for today's talk specifically. Leviticus 19.9 says, When you harvest the crops of your land, do not harvest the grain along the edges of your fields, and do not pick what the harvesters drop. It's the same with your grape crop. Do not strip every last bunch of grapes from the vines, and do not pick up the grapes that fall to the ground, Leave them for the poor and the foreigners living among you. I'm the Lord your God. Man, how are the edges of your fields? If you take an honest look, how are the edges of your fields? And what have you left for others? How are the edges of your resources, time, talents, treasures, that's what we're looking at today. Is there enough room that God can use them? Or is there no space in your life for God to move? That's the challenge. Have we gone all the way to the edges of our property? Have we gone all the way to the edges of our time? Have we gone all the way to the edges to where there's nothing left for others? Our big idea today is simple reinvest what you have to help others experience Jesus. Reinvest what you have to help others experience Jesus. You're saved to be a partner in the gospel. When you make a decision to follow Jesus, you're immediately on the team. And he's like, man, I've, I've saved you. Now you get to save others. Saved people save people. And we have this opportunity, the church is people who partner together to help each other follow Jesus and to help those who don't know Jesus experience him through our service, through our love, through our caring, through the impact we have the opportunity to make in our realm of influence. We do that through intentional surrender of our resources, our gifts. We have a responsibility to the foreigners, the poor among us, right? God has a plan to provide abundantly for you. But that plan is so that he can provide abundantly through you. So what are we doing with the 100% of our field? What are we doing with the 100% of our gifts? It's a gift from God. 100% of what you have is a gift from God. And as a follower of Jesus, we need to grasp an understanding that uh, we are to reinvest What we're bringing in in the area of, or what we have available in the area of time, in the area of our talents, in the area of our treasures. What would be possible if you reinvest the 100%, the 100% of your resources to create margin? If we're aware, where's the fence line of my abilities, if you would? Um, I love how in that passage, in Leviticus, it doesn't beat around the bush. It just says, it says, it's your land. It's your crops. It is all yours. But the Bible's also clear throughout it that the harvest is the Lord's. How those crops produce are the Lord's. How that land produces. The fruit of that land comes from God. So, man, what can I do? What can I do, Lord? God has already challenged his people in Leviticus to set aside 10% of what they do bring in, of their harvest. Now he's saying, as well, I want you to leave margin and don't pick up the stuff that drops. So he's going above and beyond their regular setting aside already. Some would say it's the tithe, the 10% they're already giving to the Lord, and now an offering, that which is left for the poor, for the, the foreigner in the land. When was the last time you rejoiced in the abundance God gave you? When's the last time you had so much that you were like, that's extra, I'm not even gonna pick that up when it falls to the ground. I'm gonna leave that. I'm gonna leave that for, I'm gonna set that aside for someone in need. I'm just gonna, I'm not even gonna, I'm not even gonna give that in such a way that it shows up on my tax record. I'm just gonna give it away. We're gonna look today at three ways you can reinvest what you have: the hundred percent of your land, your property, your time, talent, and treasure. And uh, thought one: reinvest your time. I think I filled in the blanks a few times already. Uh, but the uh, yeah, so reinvest your time. If you're filling in the blanks there, maybe you've heard it said, or maybe you've said it. I'm just too busy. Right? Um, I, don't have, I don't have enough time to commit to. We say things like this. Um, if we fail to plan, we plan to fail, right? And oftentimes we say yes to a lot of things that maybe aren't our best yeses. We say no to things that we should be saying yes to. Because we've just allowed our time to be taken but we haven't maybe intentionally given our time to what matters most. I don't know how you could reevaluate it or, or kind of look at your life and say, a good way to do it would say, What's most important to me? I mean, just back away from what you're committed to and say, What is most important in my life? Well, there's this, 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 and this. We'll put those in box A. What is, hmm. Kind of important, I enjoy, B. Somewhat important, I need to do, C. I don't really need to do this, but uh, it's on my list, D. How many of you know you have some D things in the A box, commitment-wise, and you have some A things in the D box, and you get to this moment where you want to say yes, but you're already committed to your edge of your field? That's the challenge we work with when we talk about reinvesting your time. We all have the same amount of time. We just need to choose, how am I going to invest this to where it's going where I really feel it should be going? What can you say no to today that you said yes to yesterday? Or what can you say yes to today that you said no to yesterday. That's the challenge that is before us. Reality is, there's a passage that says this in Psalm 90, verse 12 teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. I was listening to one of the Story Brand podcasts while I was weeding and mowing the lawn, and I've talked about that podcast before. Um, and I was, I was just out there listening to them interview this gal who wrote a book about urgency. And, and, and she talks about the time that uh, her dad said no to go out and play in the yard with the kids and, uh, and regretted the fact that he didn't go out and play in the yard with the kids because one of them died right after that and realized, I'll never say no again. And how he passed that down to his kids and, and, and the gal caught herself being really busy writing and speaking and working at the home office and the kids came in and said, hey, can you go out and play in the backyard? And she's like, I don't have time and realized, oh. <gasps> I just did what my dad did, and I don't want the same results. Closed the laptop and ran outside. Now, you could always be outside playing if if you just live by that, right? But I I do that all the time. Preston, 6-year-old, our home, this little dude does not understand. Uh, Daddy's working at the home office during summer. It does not function that way. Uh, uh, I'm working until 5, no concept of time. You know, 10 minutes later, Dad, want to throw the ball now, you know? So eventually I'm going to say, break time, let's go throw the football. And that break time might come like five minutes later than when I said no, especially after that podcast. The brevity of life. Like what's most important here? We all get the same amount of hours in a day. The same amount of days in a year. 365 and a quarter rotations of the earth. While going around, revolving around the sun one time. Interesting, right? God gave us this. He created this. In the Northwest, statistically, we get 2,044 daylight hours a year minus two tomorrow. And that's out of a total possible 4,383 daylight hours to accomplish whatever we're going to accomplish in the light. Where is time gone? Where's the last time you asked that? You should know. And if you don't, hey, here's a great reminder to audit your time. Look at it. See where you're investing your time. Write it down. Prioritize it. But don't say, I'm busy. That's the curse phrase, right? You're going to say it this week. Catch yourself. And think, how should I reinvest my time? Because you're going to say, oh, I, I'm busy. Oh, why did I just say it? Right? The buzzword. I would guess when you reinvest your time or you reevaluate your time, you'll discover you're not as busy as you think you're busy. I kind of chuckle every once in a while when people say they're busy. Because I know my schedule. And I plan very effectively, I keep everything on the calendar and stuff, and I go, I'm really not that busy. So I'm not as busy as people tell me I am. I've got time. I just know what to prioritize. Interesting, we went to a wedding yesterday and celebrated this marriage, the longest wedding I've ever been to in my life. And I've been to some long Catholic weddings. This was longer. And, uh, but it was awesome, it was beautiful. But it was amazing to sit back and go, who's not? Look, at all the, there's a lot of people not here. People just have stopped prioritizing moments in people's lives. Whether it's weddings, wedding showers, funerals. They're just, eh, uh, I'll see it on Facebook. No, that's not good. That's not the right answer. We've got to create margins so that we could be in the places that matter most. I had a pastor teach me when I was a young adult. Uh, He said, Thad, being late communicates to people your time is more valuable than theirs. We live in a world where it's so easy. Like I use Waze, right, on my phone. It'll tell me exactly when I'm going to get there, and all think I can dominate Waze yesterday. I, Waze told me I was going to be four minutes late to the wedding of when we wanted to get there. We were going to be early, but early is on time, right? So uh, I was like, "Oh, that's four minutes later than our goal." We're leaving the house. I can totally make up four minutes in between here and Essaqua. No, no didn't ha- somehow Waze knew that I was going to get stuck behind slow drivers, hit red lights, actually need to go 25 when it said 25 because it says. Speed trap warning ahead, you know, and that kind of stuff keeps you thanks ways for reminding me not to break the law, just to break four minutes off this time, and we just we know GPS is going to tell us when we 're going to get there for some reason we still overbook, but then if we 're just planning to get there right on time, we have no margin to help that person that we pass on the side of the road or. We have to go through the drive through and we don't get to go in and see what opportunities God might have for us. If we just created a little margin. Maybe if we plan to be early, we'll plan for opportunities. Okay, second, second thought, reinvest your talent. This one's interesting. Reinvesting your talent. Maybe you've heard it said, use it or lose it. Talent can increase, but it can also fade away. That's the challenge we have, is to invest our talent. Even professional athletes practice. And in this city, people will pay and get on buses and wait for hours to go see a practice. Really weird, Seahawks fans. I don't know if you guys watched... The game this week, anybody watch the Seahawks play in this room? Some of us do, yeah. Um, Well, I was watching it, and the entertaining thing for me was, you know, that we were playing this, the team that the kicker came from, you know. And we all remember Walsh. He leans a little to the left, right? We, We remember this. Well, the cool thing is watching this kicker, he's just got it. He's been practicing because he has it lined up right in between the goalposts. But how many of you want him to still practice? Because now he just needs to get it over the bar of the goalpost, right? So I'm sure they're giving him a bad time because he's no longer shooting left. He's just not shooting quite far enough. And uh, so, although he did make some field goals and was able to call out his former team, that was pretty funny, but uh, I, I enjoyed watching. Watching that relationship. A simple talent, if offered to the Lord, can become a great thing. How many people do you know that are like, they really just weren't that gifted in this area, but boy, God has just showed up and look at what they've become, right? God takes what we have and does immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine with it. Your work your work week can look like an amazing mission for God. If we view it that way, if we offer our work to the Lord, right, what's possible if you view your work as your mission field? All kinds of crazy things, right? You begin to pray for your workplace, pray at your workplace, pray for your, your, your employer, pray for your employees, Offering your work to the Lord, wow! Volunteering for opportunities that arise, seeing it as the open door that potentially God has opened because you've already created some time margin, right? Maybe you take the minimum expectations and you say, "God, you say you're going to do a measurably more than all you ask or imagine." So, man, let's let's exceed these expectations. Let's be that guy. No matter how bad of a time your coworkers might give you for doing a little more than normal. Reinvest your talents for God's glory in your workplace. Paul worded it like this. Romans 12, verse 4, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. We kind of talked about that last week, right? In his grace... If, it's, if God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. What is your gift? What is God cha- challenging you to take seriously, to do well? I was praying over this moment. And I really felt like God just challenging me to encourage some of you specifically in this moment of the service. And I was, like, all emotional about it. Because some of you do incredibly well with the gifts God has given you. It was intriguing to me. I just, I mean, I was sitting there and I was going... God just illuminate me, to me that which you would want to encourage. And I was like, Mandy, I don't even see Where is Mandy in here right now? Mandy is over there. First person who came to buy. And I was like, God's given you a love for people and a love for students. And I just look at the difference you've made in my oldest girl's lives. Not just them. In your family's life. And I've never seen people more on mission than your family. Answers to your initial prayers when you first walk through the door. Just because you're like, here's my life, God. It's beautiful. Here you are leading worship in a church. It's crazy. Stretching. I haven't even told this person this. I was at a house of a, a pilot that flies for Alaska Airlines this week having a little fire, and uh, just mentioned people who go to our church that have invested into open life, and the pilot's like, we mentioned Brittany De La Vega, and the pilot's like, wow. I work with her. She's great. On mission, in the workplace. I witnessed back here at the back Anna Marie, a child run up to you. Anna Marie, Anna Marie is here. Anna Marie, I got to say hi to Anna Marie. What are you doing? You're loving well. I mean, it's just cool to see people actively using what God is giving them to invest into others. It's beautiful. And you're making a difference in people's lives. Even the way you make coffee. Even the way you do construction, even the way you, you lead people at your workplace, or you love people in your neighborhood. It's amazing stuff. I love to watch it. it messes me up. Do well what God has given you to do. It'll transform people. and there, It's beyond your even understanding as to how it's going to transform them or impact them. Wow, I could get distracted on that and take a long time. Going back to margin, uh, the margin thought in Leviticus of the field, I think of our talent, ultimately, we harvest the, the talent to the edges instead of leaving room for God to use our talent in the world around us, to do kingdom business. Um, we grow weary. Because we're just using 100%. We haven't given anything to the Lord. We work too many hours. We don't invest our talent in the lives of those who matter most to us. We invest it into maybe just the workplace when, man, if we invested that talent into our home, what would be possible? Or into our marriage, what would be possible? Or into others' marriages. We try and coast. Without keeping our talent fresh. And then we watch ourselves be negatively impacted in our workplace and our life out of the workplace. What do you try to manage with your strength? And what have you just given over to the Lord? Because I would just give it all to the Lord. Give all your talent to Him your workplace, your home, your leisure activity. Maybe you'll catch bigger fish if your leisure activity is fishing and you give it to the Lord, right? Come on. Ephesians 3.20, I've quoted it a few times. It's not in your notes. It's not on the screen. But it says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. I definitely want his power engaging my talent, not my own. Because on a scale of 1 to 10, I may be a 4 or a 6 on my own. But boy, if he breathes into it, I can reach 10. But only if he breathes into his, to my talents. Final thought. Thought three. Reinvest your treasure. Oh, there he goes. I so he knew he'd get there. <laughs> He's a preacher. All they wants my money. No, not really. That's not... It's not the case. God does not want your money. He wants your heart. And it just so happens that your heart is really closely tied to your treasure. The things you value most. The things you use your money to acquire. The challenge here is money like lures us. and makes us prioritize things like our time and our talent in a way that we just never would if it wasn't involved. If we go back to the perfect unity of man with God in the garden, I mean, Adam and God in the beginning of Genesis, walking through the garden, everything was Adam's, everything was God's, 100-100. Then, the tree of good and evil shows up. Adam and Eve make a choice to go for the one tree out of All that was on planet Earth that they weren't supposed to partake of, right? We harvest to the edges. It goes all the way back to the first man and woman. That's just, we've got to keep ourselves intentionally in check or we're going to try to grab hold of that, which we're just not supposed to ever hold on to. God put a way into practice that would help us not give in to that same tendency in our life. He, he challenged them, you know, they gave in and fast forward, now everything we have is God's. Yeah, it's ours. But the harvest, the gifts we have, the things we are able to acquire, it's a gift from God. These things can be a gift or a curse. It really depends on how our relationship is with things and God. So the challenge he put in place for our hearts to be in right relationship with him is to try to only live with 90% of what we have. He put in practice this thing called tithing or setting aside 10% of everything we have and giving it first to God so that we're like, okay, God, I give you credit. But yet we want to harvest to the 100%. It's just that tendency. I don't know where you're at. But Americans, let me share something with you. An article that I, I was just written this week that came up when I was Googling stuff to get some recent stats. Uh, they say Americans' income level, and I would say the average American is more satisfied, is what it said in the survey, with their income level than they were in 2009. From 2009 to 2016, uh, in 2009, 16% of people were satisfied. Now 31% of people are satisfied with their income. They're like, okay, a- plenty, good to go, right? And, uh, but only 40%, unfortunately, the number's not the same with, with uh, spending. It's not like all of a sudden these guys now are in better relationship with their finances. They just kept spending it as they became satisfied with it. Only 40% of Americans spend less than their annual income. Wow. And of that 60% that are maxed out, 18% of that 60% spends more than their income every year, which seems like a low number to me. I think it's higher. But on this survey, they say in the last 10 years, that percentage is fluctuated by 1% or 2%, but it hasn't changed that much at all. 18% of people spend more than what they make. They live beyond the edges of their field. It's a tendency. We live in a nation that does it. But the research shows that all that 60% that's using everything needs is a plan. That's simple. It doesn't matter the plan you grab. You can do Dave Ramsey. You can do whatever you get your hands on for a financial plan. All you need is a plan. Talk to to a banker. Talk to an Edward Jones rep. Talk to anybody. Get a plan that doesn't involve you spending 100% of your income. And you won't. That's all it takes to snap out of that rut is to understand your finances. A plan. Well, I believe that's why God gave us a plan. He gave us a plan in Scripture that we can follow so that our hearts are in right relationship with Him and our finances. He confronts his church about having wrong relationship with their treasures in the book of Malachi. It's an interesting one. In verse three, uh, or verse seven of, of Malachi three, it says, every since the days of your ancestors, you've scorned my decrees and failed to obey them and now return to me and, and I will return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But you ask, how can we return when we've never gone away? Should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You have cheated me. This is God speaking, right? You've cheated me. Of tithes and offerings due to me. So again, right? The 10% and the margin. Verse 9. You are under a curse for your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food for my temple if you do. Says the Lord of heaven's armies. I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out blessings so great you won't have room enough to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant. For I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all nations will call you blessed. For your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. God's right there saying, your treasures matter. Reinvest them try it put me to the test he says look at the early church in acts 2:42 they've ha- they were just with jesus he challenged them to be in right relationship with their treasures as well and what do they do with their treasures it's crazy all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and the fellowship and to sharing and meals including the lord's supper and a prayer a deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place, shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while... Praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Man, if we want to break the cycle of consumption of our resources, let's give back generously to God. It'll break us from the habit, it'll put our heart in right relationship with God. We cannot afford to harvest to the edges of our fields, it costs way too much. God said he'll multiply, he'll bless us if we just put him to the test and become faithful with what God has given us. The 100%. We must first take the step of returning to tithing to the Lord. I believe that 100%. We need to stop robbing God personally. Then, we must give room for offering in our life. Man, take up a cause. Take up... Rescue freedom as a cause. Take up, speak up for the poor, or, or convoy of hope, or, or charity water, or whatever it is in the community that you want to be a part of. School supply give, or big give, or whatever it is that God puts on your heart. If we first give him room, he can just start to use us in such a mighty way, bigger than we could ever imagine. Some of you are doing this, and you're fulfilled in such a great way. Hey, Proverbs 22:7 says this just as the rich are rule just as the rich rule the poor so the borrower is servant to the lender what we can't do is live beyond our means god never wants you to be slave god did not design you to be a servant to a lender he designed you for abundant prosperity so that you could then prosper others a quote before our action point here Margin is the space between our load and our limits. It's the amount allowed beyond that which is needed. It is something held in reserve for contingencies or unanticipated situations. Margin is the gap between rest and exhaustion, the space between breathing freely and suffocating, said Richard Swenson. That's wisdom. Simple action point today. Actually... Kind of tough to practice, though. Reinvest to create margin. Reinvest to create margin. Do you need to reinvest your time today? Is that what tugged at your heart? We're going to have the worship team come and sing a song before Ed closes us out today. And and I want you to consider, what of these three areas do I need to work on today? Do I need to surrender to God? Do I need to reinvest? Do you need to reinvest your time so you have margin to take advantage of that conversation with your neighbor, that you could be slower to close the garage, that you could take your time on a walk and be interrupted, have an open life moment? Do you need to evaluate the use of your talents? Is there margin in your world to use the gifts God has given you for kingdom business, for his glory? Do you need to reinvest your treasure? Don't try to be generous, while robbing God doesn't work. It puts you in a deeper rut. Surrender to God. Again, open life next steps. or click next steps in your app. And, and I put there the, even a 90-day tithe challenge that you can read and you can go say, man, where am I at in giving and and, and and my surrender of my treasure? And what's the next step for me? How can I grow from here? Maybe you're a faithful tither, but you just struggle giving offerings. I don't know. But God wants your heart holy. Whatever you're wrestling with, you can step out into new territory in your time, your talent, your treasure. God, thank you for challenging us to live with margin. And it's both for us, but it's for the poor and the foreigner among us as well. You want us to to provide not just for ourselves and our families, but for others, and you've given us ways to do so. You've given us the plan. Yet we're so tempted, the same as Adam and Eve, to just want to go 100% to the edges of our land. And some of us, yeah, even wrestle with going beyond our own harvest, taken from the neighbors, (laughs) becoming a slave to the lender. God, I pray right now in Jesus' name, that you'll begin to move in our heart to show us the area we need to reinvest, whether it be our time, our talent, or our treasure, and help us to obey the steps you lead us into. God, I pray for reward. I pray for that margin to be such a, a fulfilling space in people's lives, that they be able to reprioritize and do the things they know they're passionate about doing saying yes to the things they should say yes to and no to the things they should say no to. Give us your wisdom, God. Let us live wisely and make the most of every opportunity you give us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.